the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I will be your host for today's nonprofit MBA podcast. I am co founder of Financing Solutions. And Financing Solutions is the leading provider in the United States of lines of credit for small nonprofits. If you are interested in learning more about our line of credit program, which I would highly recommend, uh, please visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Zach Bronstein from Endowment. Zach helps to run Endowment as its COO. Endowment is a 5013C nonprofit organization that manages and encourages the charitable giving of digital assets. They have built the first blockchain native community foundation, allowing folks to make donations of any crypto to any nonprofit and receive a tax receipt for their donation. In addition, Endowment offers nonprofits the option of receiving payouts as dollars so they can immediately be put to use supporting their mission. Prior to running Endowment, Zach spent five years in finance at Morgan Stanley and worked at a number of different nonprofits in development departments. Zach, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Stephen, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. So today's topic, which is crypto philanthropy and what Web3 means for nonprofit organizations, before Zach and I got on, I started, I I asked him if crypto philanthropy and Web3 are related and he started getting into it and I had to stop him and I said, let's do it on air because the same questions that our listeners are going to have about this uh, is the same ones that I have. So, so Zach, to start off with, let's keep it basic in the beginning. What is crypto philanthropy? You know, I can't pronounce it. (laughs) So crypto philanthropy, to keep it really simple, is the act of using cryptocurrency or crypto related assets for giving, right? Uh, For giving, usually in the case of endowment to 501c3 nonprofits, as you said in that lovely intro. Thank you for that. Um, but really, any kind of giving to any cause can be considered crypto philanthropy. And while we're at it, let's talk about you know what is Web3, what is crypto, how do these things relate to each other? When people say Web3, they really mean the internet that is upgraded with some kind of crypto infrastructure, right? We had the original Web1, we then upgraded that with Web2 that's like using Google or Facebook as a kind of single sign-on tool. Um, Web3 is the ability to use your wallet to sign in to different cryptocurrency protocols like endowment. When someone wants to make a donation using the endowment platform, they navigate to our site, endowment.org. They connect their wallet. That's that Web3 component. And then they are able to make a donation. But for folks outside of this space, let me make it even simpler. When people talk about the Web3 community and when people talk about the crypto community, they're talking about the same thing. Now, is is everyone's website, are the nonprofits website Web3 already or no? 
Uh, typically, no. Usually when I say Web3, that really means that there is some crypto or blockchain interaction happening on that site, right? So when you approach our site, you'll notice in the upper right-hand corner, it says connect wallet. And that is the Web3 component of our site. That's the Web3 connection module for our site. If you have a wallet in your web browser, you can click that, connect your wallet and interact with our services. And if you do not have a digital wallet and you do not have cryptocurrency, what you can do on our site, who are you? Most likely you're a 501c3 nonprofit organization admin. You can navigate to your organization's page. You can claim your organization, which essentially is telling us who do we get in touch with if we have questions and when there are donations made and where do we send payments when donations are made to your organization. We go through a diligence process, verify that information, and then essentially click a check mark. And that organization is now all set up to receive donations on the endowment platform. So let, let's take another step back in regards to uh, uh, cryptocurrency. I know it's the most basic stuff, but what is cryptocurrency? Yeah, so cryptocurrency, what, what is cryptocurrency? Cryptocurrency is, is really a name for um, something that is a side effect of the creation of blockchain technology. Blockchain technology is really the thing for us to talk about. Blockchain is a publicly available, indelible, distributed ledger. So let's break that down. Publicly available, easy. Anyone can look at the data. It is a distributed ledger, which means that it exists on many different computers throughout the world, such that there is no one singular source of truth, because when there is one singular source of truth, it means that the risk of it being incorrect or the hacking risk is high, right? Um, so this is a distributed ledger that lives across all of these different computers, and it is indelible in the sense that once a transaction has been recorded in this ledger, it is really difficult, if not impossible, to erase a record of that transaction. So now we have this ledger that lives on all these different computers that is the same everywhere and that cannot be kind of backed up, right? It can only be added on to. Each new block in the chain, in the blockchain, just adds on to the state that was at the end of the previous block, right? So that's a little bit about blockchain. What is cryptocurrency? It is a essentially facet of the blockchain technology that allows the creation of individual tokens and custody of those tokens to be achieved by different wallets that exist in the ecosystem. So maybe you are creating 10,000 Zach tokens and you're sending them to some wallets. None of those cryptocurrencies have value until you are finding someone who's willing to buy and sell those particular cryptocurrencies. And then that creates a market. But anyone with sufficient technical knowledge can create a cryptocurrency. Its use and its value is dependent on markets that get created around it. All right. So let me use my, uh, I haven't really spent a ton of time with crypto therapy, uh, cryptocurrency, but so what you're talking about here, let's just say it's an electronic dollar bill that would, that we know. And the, and the electronic dollar bill is we know it's not, uh, uh, it's legitimate. 
it's not forged uh, because the the blockchain, which is uh, verifying that it is a dollar bill, uh, is able to be transferred to another person or another company. And that dollar bill has a value associated with it at that time. Is that that's correct? Fair enough. Yeah, that, okay. That, that's 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 correct. And I think importantly to help understanding, let's talk about a specific type of cryptocurrency called a stable coin. Right? A stable coin is unlike the cryptocurrencies that you hear about in the news where prices are going up and down by five, ten, perhaps twenty or more percent on a daily basis. A stable coin has its value pegged to a fiat or non-cryptocurrency. In our ecosystem, we use a stablecoin called the US dollar coin that was created by Circle Internet Financial. The way they do things is they have a audited bank account that has $1 or dollar equivalent in it for every one US dollar coin in circulation. And each US dollar coin is always redeemable for exactly $1 using Circle Financial. I think this is a lot easier to understand than like, why does Bitcoin have value, for example? Because they're like, oh, this is a token representation on the blockchain of a dollar, right? So in that way, you're able to use dollars on the blockchain in a way that you're not kind of worried that this thing is going to change in value. The reason that we use that in our ecosystem is anyone can make a donation on endowment using their wallet, and they can do so using any form of cryptocurrency. As soon as we receive that cryptocurrency donation, we immediately and programmatically take that to a decentralized exchange and exchange it for US dollar coin. What this does, it allows us to create a donation receipt for the donor to substantiate that receipt with this specific trade, which is helpful when that donor is taking that tax receipt to the IRS and perhaps applying for a deduction. And then finally, it means that after donations are made on our platform, they stay stable and consistent so that if we send an email to a nonprofit saying, hey, someone just donated $5,000 and they wait a week and then they say, okay, we're ready to receive it, send it along, that cryptocurrency is still worth exactly $5,000 and not $2,000 and not $10,000. Why would somebody say, wait for a week to send me my money? Why, why wouldn't it just be delivered then? So we love to deliver things as quickly as possible. And if we are working with an organization that is already set up on our platform and ready to go, a donation is made. We have a staff member do some due diligence and usually approve the donation. It goes through delivered as dollars via bank wire, typically in between 24 to 36 hours, depending on the timing of the donation. That said, we need to know where to send the donation to in order to complete that flow. So frequently what happens is an organization that we've never worked with before because we have all 1.5 million different 501c3 nonprofits on our platform just by pulling data from GuideStar, our data partner. Let's say somebody, let's say you, Stephen, went on endowment, made a donation to the NRDC, and you're the first person ever to make a donation to the NRDC on endowment. We will get in touch with the NRDC, let them know that they've received a donation, 
and tell them, hey, we're ready to begin communication. And also you're ready to go on and claim your organization. That step I was talking about before, where organizations essentially provide us with administrator information so we know who to contact and banking information so we know where to send that wire to. Sometimes providing that information is something that development administrators want to check with higher-ups, COOs, CFOs, perhaps the board, to make sure that this is above board, no pun intended, and is compliant with their internal policies, right? Sometimes that takes a matter of minutes or hours. Sometimes it takes a couple of days, maybe even up to a week if certain individuals are on vacation or they want to conduct some due diligence on endowment. It's not rare for nonprofits to reach out to us and say, hey, can you send us your 501c3 accreditation letter? Can we make a meeting with you so we can understand a little bit more about your internal processes? Things like that. Essentially, that is the reason why any donation wouldn't be immediately delivered. But like I said at the beginning of this answer, we always endeavor to deliver assets as quickly as possible to those organizational recipients. Um, is there a statistic that says the percentage of donations that are happening now through cryptocurrency? Percentage of donations happening through cryptocurrency. It's a great question. Um, last year, about $300 million was donated via cryptocurrency to U.S.-based nonprofits. Um, I don't know offhand what the uh, National Philanthropic Trust has put out as like the total 2021 number for uh, U.S.-based donations. But put simply, um, it is a small amount of the total donation pie, but it's growing. Just to give you a sense of the speed of growth here, we launched our minimum viable product in September of 2020. This was just a uh, really the first iteration of endowment that was fully capable of being used to receive donations and send money to charity, but lacked a lot of the upgrades that we have since instituted. Throughout fourth quarter of 2020, we raised about a quarter million dollars in donations. January to November of 2021, we received about $10 million of donations. And in December alone, we received $18 million of donations. As of today, in 2022, we've received $21 million in donations already, right? So you can see we're already over double what we were January through November of last year, and we haven't even gotten to like the meat of the giving season yet. So folks are accelerating the rate that they're willing to donate cryptocurrency. And what's really exciting is for anyone paying attention, cryptocurrency prices and market caps have been not doing as well in 2022 as they were doing in 2021. So for the overall market cap of cryptocurrency and for the prices of the individually contributed cryptocurrencies like Ethereum to be lower than they were last year, but for the donation size in dollars to be significantly higher than it was last year, we are pretty excited about the future of crypto philanthropy and think that this growth is indicative of some extreme growth that we expect to happen in November and December usually the largest giving months, as it always hockey sticks at the end of the year when people know what their tax obligations are and are looking for ways to mitigate their tax obligations by deducting their donated assets from their taxes. Why does somebody want to donate in cryptocurrency? So a couple of reasons. Um, mostly, people want to donate in cryptocurrency because it is the asset that they hold. The most efficient way that you can make any donation 
is to donate that asset directly, whether that is a donation of property or of stock or of cryptocurrency. Important for me to say, I'm not an accountant. I'm not a tax lawyer. None of this should be considered tax advice and endowment doesn't supply tax advice to any donors. But it's our understanding that the key here is donating an asset in its native form. So if you have a bunch of cryptocurrency, it is always going to be better for you to donate that cryptocurrency directly to a nonprofit as opposed to, for example, cashing out that cryptocurrency, paying taxes on your capital gains, and then donating what's left. Let's say in this example, you have $100,000 of Ethereum. Capital gains tax on long-term assets is 20%, right? You could, without services like those provided at endowment, cash yourself out of your Ethereum position. $100,000 goes into your bank account. You pay the IRS $20,000 for your capital gains. And then you donate the remaining $80,000 to a nonprofit, um, however you decide to donate, right? At that point, you cap out at a deduction of $80,000 and the nonprofit receives $80,000. Using endowment, it works a little differently. Let's say you make that same donation of $100,000 of Ethereum directly because you don't need to sell that Ethereum first. You send those assets directly to endowment you get a tax receipt for the full amount, $100,000. Endowment takes our 1.5% fee. We take half a percent at the moment of donation and 1% at the moment we send those funds to charity. And then the charity, the, non, the nonprofit recipient, receives the remaining 98.5%. In this case, $98,500, significantly more than the $80,000 they would have received in the example where you had to pay capital gains tax. Gotcha. We as a nonprofit are exempt from paying that capital gains tax. So we can get the full value of that gift minus the one and a half percent fee to the nonprofit delivered typically in dollars. So that nonprofit can put those dollars to use immediately. The other reason why people want to donate cryptocurrency is really people have done pretty well in the cryptocurrency market. There are plenty of folks who bought in really early on folks smarter than me and savvier than me who got in sooner, um, they are even in this crypto winter or bear market sitting really pretty on a significant amount of assets. They want to, one, perhaps take a tax deduction, two, perhaps give back to organizations that they love. They don't want to have to go through the whole kind of tax IRS rigmarole of cashing out their assets. And instead, they can just send them to endowment. They tell us which charities they want to send the dollars associated with the sale of those assets to, and we make that happen quick and easy. So uh, the the nonprofit would then uh, just put the endowment app on there. Uh, so instead of someone saying, "Here, make a donation to our nonprofit through PayPal, make it through a credit card." or make it through endowment cryptocurrency. That's, so you're, the, you're basically just saying, here's another option for people to be able to pay you. Exactly correct. And what's important about that is really twofold. One, folks can just insert a link on their giving page that says, here's our endowment profile. On their endowment profile, you just click the button that says donate and you make a donation of any form of cryptocurrency that you have. We take care of liquidation and transfer to the organization. The other reason that that's really key 
excuse me. Um, the other reason that that's really key is folks need to know that your nonprofit accepts cryptocurrency. The reason that we created endowment is because there are pain points for both donors and organizations in this crypto philanthropy world. For donors, as I alluded to before, they really need to be able to give the asset that they have in their wallet and not trade it first if they want to get that, that kind of juicy tax deductibility at the end of the day. And for nonprofits, it is difficult to figure out the right way to custody crypto, to change your gift acceptance policies, to set up an account at Coinbase to create a MetaMask wallet. I'm sure I've just listed a whole bunch of words that don't make sense to some of the listeners or viewers, right? Um, so enter endowment. Donors can donate any asset they have in its native form. Nonprofits can receive those assets in cash. And there's a really easy way for nonprofits to say, hey, folks, we accept crypto. These are the experts that you can talk to about it. So we don't have to you know, kind of take care of additional overhead of hiring staff or spending hours learning about this new, this new form of giving and instead can, outs can outsource that kind of activity to the endowment staff members to take care of everything. And at the end of the day, just send cash to the nonprofit so they can do what they're really good at, which is taking that cash and turning it into action. Uh, I have to ask, as you said, any currency... Uh, would endowment, like if someone wanted to donate property, would someone want to donate their car, would that be a tangible asset that would go through endowment? So when I say any currency, really what I mean is any, any form of cryptocurrency. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That said, if folks were coming to us saying, we want to donate physical property, we want to donate a car, we want to donate stock, um, we haven't done property and uh, contributions of, automobiles or boats or anything like that before. We have done stock contributions. And honestly, <clears throat> if anyone wanted to donate property or uh, cars, boats, et cetera, and they wanted to do that using endowment and have the funds move into their endowment donor advice fund, we'd be happy to figure out the right way to make that happen. Mm -hmm. I guess it all comes down to the big key is the evaluation of the cryptocurrency or the evaluation of the property or whatever at that moment. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So let's dive in a little bit. Same disclaimer about tax advice. I'm giving you our best understanding as non-CPAs, non-tax lawyers. When you make a donation of any asset, cryptocurrency or otherwise, if that donation is over $5,000 and you want to take a tax deduction for that contribution, you have to fill out a form called an 8283. And part of that form is an attestation by an appraiser uh, saying that the value of the gift that you contributed is X, right? We do a pretty good job of setting that process up for success by automatically and programmatically exchanging assets that we receive for those US dollar coins, right? That's really helpful for the IRS and for the auditor in determining what is the fair market value of this asset, right? And we do that exactly at the moment of donation. Um, but anytime that you're contributing a large amount of money to a charity, you do need to involve an appraiser in that process if you are seeking a tax deduction for that donation. Gotcha. Okay. What, what are the questions that typically, I know we've covered uh, quite a bit of them, but what are the questions that you've heard other nonprofits who are smaller ask you uh, to kind of address? 
So I got a couple of them I can rattle off off the top of my head. First and foremost, they say, now that we're set up, what do we do? Right? How do we raise money on your platform? How do we make sure that this partnership is as good as it can be? And the answer, interestingly, is reach out to your existing community and let them know that you accept an asset that you've never been able to accept before. Or I should say an asset class that you've never been able to accept before because it's literally thousands and thousands of different assets that that nonprofit can now accept, right? This surprises a lot of orgs that we talk to because they don't think that their existing donor base has crypto. And what we found is that orgs have been really successful in reaching out to their existing donor base, letting them know, hey, we now accept this new asset class and either members of that donor base or individuals that those members can network with get excited about that opportunity and then want to make a contribution. Because crypto philanthropy is so new, there are many organizations, in fact, the majority of organizations, nonprofits in the States, don't accept crypto. So anytime that donors are finding out, especially if they have cryptocurrency or know those that do, that a new nonprofit accepts cryptocurrency, it's exciting for them. And there are plenty of people in the crypto space that might not be a part of those donation or those donor-based communities already that are just excited that a nonprofit is willing to take the first step into the Web3 ecosystem and therefore want to reward them with a donation. One of the other more, more common and uh, more recent questions that I've received is, we heard about this OFAC SDN list thing. We know that there are a number of different Ethereum addresses that were added to that SDN list. How does endowment manage to deal with uh, restrictions on who the US government says that you can work with, right? We have a number of different approaches here, but importantly, we have both an automatic approach and a manual approach. Automatically, we prevent any of the Ethereum addresses that have been added to OFAC's SDN list of, you know, kind of the naughty list of parties that you should not work with. Um, we, are, we prevent them from accessing our application. If they try to connect their wallet to our application, that Web3 connection we were talking about earlier, they would be stuck in a authentication loop where we would never fully authenticate them and give them access to our site. That's automatic. Something that we're doing manually on top of this is anytime that any donation is received from anybody, we get to use the characteristics of the blockchain, that indelible publicly accessible ledger to see, hey, I'm going to look into the wallet that just interacted with our site, and I'm going to see every single transaction that they've ever made, every outflow, every inflow, every NFT they've minted, et cetera, right? So we have a really easy way to essentially conduct a public audit of any donor that tries to interact with our services. And what's really cool is that it works both ways, right? Anyone with sufficient knowledge of how to use a blockchain explorer like Etherscan, which essentially just lets you look at the blockchain data and see all of the transactions that flow in and out of any wallet or any protocol, they would be able to conduct a public audit of endowment. All of the stuff that we do is completely on-chain. And when I say on-chain, I mean on the blockchain, meaning that it is part of that indelible ledger. So you can see every donation into endowment and every grant out to every single organization that we've ever worked with. All of that information, obviously not PII, but all of that information is publicly available for people to see. Why is uh, your company a nonprofit and not a for-profit company? 
So a good question. Um, in order to be a donor advised fund provider, you have to be a nonprofit. And we wanted to create an organization whose bottom line was not profit, but was instead mission. We're really about making it as easy as possible for donors and for nonprofits to get involved in this crypto philanthropy ecosystem without needing to pay two, three, four, five percent on every donation. Um, there are some organizations out there that are for-profit organizations that go after nonprofits and say, hey, nonprofit, for three, four, five thousand dollars per year, we'll build a little widget so you can accept a handful of different cryptocurrencies on your site. We'll take uh, somewhere between three and five percent of every donation you receive by volume, right? Their goal clearly is to re receive money in return for creation of this technological ecosystem that allows and facilitates crypto donations. That's not what we're about. We wanted to make sure that we're focused on the mission. And we knew that creation of a 501c3 would give folks that we work with both on the donor side and on the nonprofit side additional confidence in that we are doing the right things. We like the fact that 990s are publicly available. Our 990s are out there. People can take a look at them. And we wanted to create an organization that adhered to kind of the aspirations of the blockchain space by being one that is transparent, by being one that is mission-driven. And it's pretty cool that our kind of fiat financials, our 990, things like that, as well as our blockchain financials are all completely out there and available for people to see. It means that we are extremely transparent. And there are cool things that we're looking forward to doing in the future to kind of double down on that transparency, doing things like having our board of directors, we're a nonprofit, we have a board of directors, taking their votes for, in their board meetings on chain. So that anytime that any votes are happening, we have a record of it in that indelible ledger and that anyone, be they endowment staff members, donors, nonprofits, people not associated with us, can see those votes in a public facing manner. Well, it's all good stuff. I think, you know, you answered all my questions, honestly. I mean, I think I really understand it better. I think my listeners really understand this whole idea. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer to me. It's really not going to hurt any nonprofit to have it, right? And it could only help. I mean, is there a downside in any of this? Is there a downside in any of this? Um, it's a new question that I haven't been asked before, and I feel like other people should have asked me this question. Um, I really can't think of one. Um, you know, we specifically architected our system so that nonprofits in particular would be able to have access to cryptocurrency donations without needing to do much of anything at all, not needing to hire new staff members or create new understandings or change their gift acceptance policies or all of the other things that you would need to do as a nonprofit to directly accept cryptocurrency. And instead, they're able to work with endowment. We accept the crypto. We are providing the receipt to the donor. We are filing the forms with the IRS. And all that we're doing is sending cash to the nonprofit at the end of the day so they can do the things that they do best. Gotcha. Right? Yep. I got the it. other thing that I'll share before, because I do sense that we're nearing the end here, yeah. is that we are launching version two of the endowment application in about a month's time in early October. Um, what's going to happen with version two? A couple of exciting things. First and foremost, our site is going to look different. I think it's a pretty beautiful facelift. We'll see what other folks think, but that's always exciting. And the second really interesting thing that we're doing 
is we are upgrading our smart contracts that underpin our ecosystem to be fully what's called composable. Right now, the only way for people to make donations to organizations on the endowment platform is actually to come onto our site, to click that Wallet Connect button, then to make a donation of cryptocurrency in their wallet. In this new form, we are going to be creating Ethereum addresses for every organization on our platform that those organizations can share publicly and anyone with a wallet can send assets directly to that address. That, cre that reduces the barriers to entry and just makes it easier to make donations, but also means that people can do things like, I create an NFT collection, and anytime that any of those NFTs are purchased, that money goes directly to, we'll use the NRDC as an example again, the NRDC smart contract held in endowment, right? Um, there are lots of places that individuals in the crypto space can plug in that Ethereum address into, and it just means that there is a lot more functionality for nonprofits on our site to be able to receive cryptocurrency donations from a wide variety of different protocols or activities on the Ethereum blockchain, which I think is pretty cool. It's a little bit more donor-facing than nonprofit-facing, but does mean that nonprofits are going to have this really easy-to-share Ethereum address they can send to anyone that wants to donate any asset on the Ethereum blockchain. Once it's, once it's sent, endowment takes custody of it, we take care of the liquidation, and then we go through the same process that I've been outlining you know, on this podcast so far. Well, that's good. It's all good stuff. I think it was a great podcast. <clears throat> I'd like to thank so very much Zach Bronstein from Endowment. It's E-N-D-A-O-M-E-N-T for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please give us a review on your podcasting app. It really helps us get the word out. Those reviews, are, you know, hopefully they're five stars. It really goes a, a long way in uh, moving up the rankings of our podcast. Our podcast right now is in the top 1% of the podcasts for nonprofits. Very proud of that. I think this is like our 170th episode. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And at that website, you can... Uh, apply for a free uh, to get the offer uh, to see how much your organization and if it's approved for. We don't run any credit checks or anything like that. It's just a good way to get started. Uh, again, I'm a big believer in every every organization should have a line of credit. And we got a lot of clients who think the same thing. Uh, Zach, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Thank you. Uh, folks can find us at endowment.org, E-N-D-A-O-M-E-N-T.org. They can also email me directly if they're interested at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at endowment.org, spelled the same way. You can find us on Twitter at endowment.org, spelled out D-O-T-O-R-G. Uh, and you can also join us on Discord if you're interested by navigating to the URL discord.gg slash endowment. Again, E-N-D-A-O-M-E-N-T. And before we go, Stephen, just let me say thank you so much for this opportunity. This was a great conversation. Yeah, it was very good. It was excellent learning. I learned a lot. And I, I think it's going to be one of the better podcasts out there. I think it's a, it's a hot topic. So thanks for coming on and being so clear about things too. I appreciate it. Uh, for, uh, I always end every episode by thanking our listeners. Uh, you guys are out there doing the hard work, the heavy lifting and making the world a better place. 
I know Zach and I both need to do our part, but you guys are out there on the day-to-day making the world a better place. I thank you personally for doing that. Keep going at it. However, just remember you're an important part of your organization. Don't forget to take time aside for yourself and make sure that you are doing the things you need. You know, running a nonprofit is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so you need to take good care of yourself. Other than that, everybody have a great day and please take good care of yourself.